0: Today, I'm going to share with you about how God has led us in our family and um, where we are today. Uh, But you know, you guys are in families. But you know, if you know somebody that's not in a family, it could be applied to you know us as individuals as well, right? So before we begin, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, please be with me this morning as I share with you how You've graciously, mercifully led our family to where we are now. be with my mouth and my thoughts as I share uh, um, our experience, and um, may it um, it be your words and not mine. And this I pray in your name, Amen. Okay. Well, as I was sharing with you before, earlier in the week, um, you know, in Fred's family and my family growing up, you know, we didn't understand the importance of family unit, right? Um, Our parents were busy, um, our loving parents, you know, were busy trying to provide for us um, a a good life, uh, running the business, running the home. Um, So we were, as children, kind of left ourselves to, you know, do our own things, entertain ourselves, things like that. And we fell into things that um, were not the best influences. You know, for me it was the movies, the TV, the video games, the books, and things like that, right? And, um, you know, I shared how those things uh, very much negatively affected me and how I um, saw things. And my sense of reality was very numbed, and so I ended up getting to things that were, Um, not very good and I believe that it could all have been avoided if um, I think, you know, it could have been avoided if my parents um, understood more the weightier matters of life, you know, and were more um, in tune with um, nurturing our spiritual needs and things like that rather just the physical needs, right? And so um, you know, it says here in Adventist home, The influence of a carefully guarded Christian home in the years of childhood and youth is the surest safeguard against the corruptions of the world. In the atmosphere of such a home, the children will learn to love both their earthly parents and their Heavenly Father. So we recognize this as parents now that we had our own children. We knew the experiences that we went through. And so we most definitely didn't want our children to go through that as well. But um, sometimes the things that we protect our children from may not be the obvious things, you know, like, yes, they were not, um, ex- you know, we we knew de- most definitely, right, that we're not going to let them be exposed to drugs and alcohol and things. We're going to warn them ahead of time about the dangers of all that, right? But sometimes we neglect or overlook the subtle things in our lives, right? And... um and Satan can easily have a subtle grip on your family without even recognizing it. And the weeds that grow in the heart of uh, your children and even in your own hearts uh, may not manifest itself until later in life when it's much more difficult to pull out and, um, and undo, right? So how do we know then what to guard ourselves and our families from, right? Well, it says in Councils for the Church, many profess to be on the Lord's side, but they are not. By what means shall we determine whose side we are on? Who has the heart? You gotta ask yourselves these questions, okay? Who has the heart? With whom are our thoughts? Upon whom do we love to converse? Who has our warmest affections and our best energies? If we are on the Lord's side, our thoughts are with Him and our sweetest thoughts are of Him. We have no friendship with the world. We have consecrated all that we have and are to Him. We long to bear his image, breathe his spirit, do his will, and please him in all things. So ask yourselves, where are your thoughts and your affections? Where are your children's thoughts and affections? Um, Whom do you love to converse with, right? Um, If it's not with God, then I'm sorry to say that You are not on the Lord's side, right? And the Bible says that no man can serve two masters. You know, you're either for God or you're against God. And this tells us what to guard ourselves from then. It's the things that keep our thoughts and our affections from God, right? And as for children as well. Well, four years ago, uh, you know, we had left the mission field of Trinidad and we were settling into our new home in Ringgold. And um, I was sharing with you how we, um, you know, got got comfortable in this new life. You know, with, uh, ex- enjoying the luxuries of America. And um, you know, I got into you know, I really liked shopping and I liked the Pinterest stuff. I was really into that and doing all the little crafty things and throwing parties or whatever. You know what it was and. Um, you know, my husband really liked to look at the internet and um, you know sports and things like that. you know he had his things as well and um you know our children they they were so excited to be around other children at church and things like that you know and I think it started to trigger in us that something's not right because our children, they started to want to spend more time with their friends, right? And they said, can we please go to so-and-so's house and please can I go play with, and they didn't want to be at home and they didn't like to be at home, you know? And we realized, okay, wait, something's not right because our children's hearts are not with us, they're with other, other people, you know? And so we then were able to uh, reflect upon our, our uh, the way that we were living and what we were doing wrong. And um, God was telling us, you know, you're getting too comfortable in the life that you're living in. And um, you, uh, you need to make a change in your life. And at that point in our life, it was country living. Um, now, you know, every family is different. And every, every, um, God leads every family uh, differently, you know. Um, and, and, but in our own experience, um, this was something that God was calling us to do. And, um, you know, when God calls you to do something, it's not always um, going to be easy, actually. Most of the time it's going to be very difficult. And you have to uh, make sacrifices in order to accomplish what He asks you to do. And as, you know, Chester was sharing yesterday, we have to be very intentional about the decisions that we make, because um, if we are to follow in God's path for us, It requires intentionality, you know. It requires sacrifices. It says in Adventist term, Better sacrifice any and every worldly consideration than to imperil the precious souls committed to your care. They will be assailed by temptation and should be taught to meet them. But it is your duty to cut off every influence, to break up every habit, to sunder every tie that keeps you from the most free, open, and hearty committal of yourselves and your family to God. So we decided that we needed to move to the country and um, it wasn't an easy decision. We were on our way down to Florida one fall and um, we're driving through some farmlands, and um, Fred was you know looking at the window and it hit him you know like that this is the life that we're going to be living in you know like this is where God is ultimately leading us and he all of a sudden got really depressed you know and he thought (laughs) no, like, you know, I'm, I'm not a country boy. What do I know about living in the country? You know, like I'm a city boy and I wanted to um, work in a high rise building, you know, and I was going to have a black BMW and you're going to drive a matching white BMW, you know. And this was like the life that he, you know, imagined in his mind. Right. Um, you know, following the path of God, it's not going to be easy. Right. But it says here. In Patriarchs and Prophets, everyone who seeks to follow the path of duty will at times be assailed by doubt and unbelief. The way will sometimes be so barred by obstacles, apparently insurmountable, as to dishearten those who will yield to discouragement. But God is saying to such, go forward. Do your duty at any cost. The difficulties that seem so formidable that fill your soul with dread will vanish as you move forward in the path of obedience, humbly trusting in God. And praise the Lord. You know, I know Fred really loved this verse. It was, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Right? And if we choose to follow in the path of God, He will give us that right spirit to want to follow Him. Although at first we fight against it, when we um, submit ourselves to the will of God he will give us that right spirit and so we moved to the country we, but you know I shared before that we delayed this process for quite some time because we were not ready um, spiritually God knew that um, we still had pride and stubbornness in our lives and um, God delayed the process um, in his mercy um, so that we can work through those things before we, um, he opened the door for us to move on to this um, new property. Um, here in, in Pikeville, Tennessee, we, um, we purchased 10 acres of land, and um, we love it there. I mean, it's a it's a small town. It has population, the county, Bledsoe County, has population of um, 13,000 people, and. So it's a a small town, you know, and um, we love the peace and quiet too that it brings. We love that you can hardly see a house um, around us. We um, really love being in God's nature. One night we were um, out late um, getting, you know, working on the garden, and um, the stars were starting to come out, and um, the kids were, you know, know, um, just amazed, you know, and um, wanted to um, identify some of the stars. And so we, you know, got our star identifier thing out and <clears throat> talking about it. And then they remembered hearing, you know, in a sermon earlier that I think it was the week before or something about how um, God was going to, Jesus was going to come through um, the constellation Orion, you know. And so they were trying to, wanted to look for that. And then they said, you know, is Jesus, um, you know, he's right there, you know, like he's, because they were saying how he would come through that constellation, you know, I mean, and he said, you know, Jesus is right there, you know, he said, why, why doesn't he just come now then, you know, like why, why is he waiting, you know, and um, why can't he just come if he's just right there, and it may, and, you know, I said, you know, he's waiting for us, you know, to be ready, and it, clicked in my mind at that moment that it is true you know heaven is real it is right there you know Jesus really is in heaven there and it became real to me and it made me realize you know we really do need to have faith like little children you know and uh it's just been such a blessing and you know working you know living in the country you know you have more work to do right I mean more land to take care of and then you know if you have a garden you have the garden to take care of, and so it, it takes a lot of our time. But I love it because, you know, I I get to mow the lawn, and it gives me the time to, um, you know, just be sitting quiet, and you know, sometimes my child will sit on my lap, and but it's just really, really uh, relaxing, you know. But um, but not aside from that point, I love the fact how living in the country, um, it it provides usefulness for me and the kids, you know to do things during the day um, that are useful, you know, um, instead of just being inside the home and um, maybe getting to things that, you know, may be a waste of time, right? Um, I also enjoy the fact that, you know, there aren't a lot of distractions in the country, you know, that um, because of that we're able to spend more time together as a family unit. And um, I also love the fact that um, because we're in a small town, we serve at a small church. And it's provided such a wonderful training ground for me, uh, for me and Fred, and for our children as well. um, Because the children see us involved in whatever um, things that we are involved in. And um, they know uh, the church, um, you know, we're, we're... where we're at and um, how we're trying to build up our church. And they take part in the outreach, and they go door-to-door with us, and they love knocking on the door and giving, you know, tracts or asking for Bible studies. And it's they really enjoy, it's really helped them to um, see and experience what um, um, true outreach is, you know, like how to reach other people how to um, witness to people when they see somebody in need you know they already want to help and they say mommy shouldn't we go help that person or you know and i I think that it a lot of it has to do with um serving in a small church and being a part of this community um also a wonderful thing that we we see fred and i as such a privilege to be able to be here is because um, um you know fred is the only dentist in town and um because of it, he has created such a big influence in the community just by being there, you know? And um, he, like, um, our contractor, um, he, he's he been there for maybe about 30, 40 years, and um, he knows a lot of people in town, and um, we, started hearing from people, you know, like, oh, you know, Larry, our contractor, um, he, 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 you know, can't stop talking about you guys, you know, like he says that, um, he says that you guys are like the nicest people that he's ever met, you know, and we're like, Really, that is amazing, you know. But it really helped us to see, you know, even when we're walking down the road or whatever, you know. And they're like, "Oh, you're the new dent, you know, you're the dentist in town, right?" Or we've heard a lot of good things about you, and you know, it's just like really been such an amazing experience, right? And I really think that um, you know, as health professionals, you know, like a wonderful way to reach a large group of people is actually moving out of the large city and moving to a small town because you can have an influence over the entire town. You know, um, it's been such a blessing. Well, uh, it says in Adventist home here, one of the most subtle and dangerous temptations that assail the children and youth in the cities is the love of pleasure. Holidays are numerous, games and horse racing draw thousands, and the whirl of excitement and pleasure attracts them away from the sober duties of life. You know, what are these pleasures, what are these holidays, games, horse racing, right? Do we do all those things, you know, like we may not do horse racing and things, right? But to me this equates to like, in, uh, in today's time, right? Like, um, you know, social gatherings and parties and, um, you know, dinners and, um, you know, entertainment or, you know, the mall or whatever it may be, right? You can fill in the blank for yourself, you know? Whatever, basically whatever takes you away from the sober duties of life, right? And for, you know, me, it, that, that was something that I recognized, you know, um, before we moved to the country that this is something, this can easily take up my time, you know, um, I can live day to day, eating, drinking, and being merry, right, and and live life as it is and not recognize the fact that, you know, these are temporal things that I'm doing and I'm forgetting the eternal realities of life, right? Well, but, you know, we recognize, Fred and I, too, though, after moving to the country that um, these things don't just happen in the city. They can happen in the country, too, if we're not careful, right, if we keep ourselves so busy, you know, that... Even doing good things, right, doing church work and things like that, um, um, it could keep you from the sober duties of life in your home and in your own personal life. And so, we just need to watch ourselves again, guard ourselves from these types of things, right? We read before: where are your, um, where where are your affections? Where are your thoughts, right? We need to reflect on those um, and ask ourselves those questions. It says in Adventist Home, Satan has worked continually to eclipse the glories of the future world and to attract the whole attention to the things of this life. He has striven so to arrange matters that our thoughts, our anxiety, our labor may be so fully employed in temporal things that we should not see or realize the value of eternal realities. The world and its cares have too large a place, while Jesus and the heavenly things have altogether too small a share in our thoughts and affections what a shame right how sad that God uh, Jesus um, came to this earth and gave us everything he had right he gave us his life right but we cannot sacrifice even just a small share we just give him a small portion of our life you know and right what a shame the world can stimulate us so much that we become numb to the sweetness of, of God um, you know, I, somebody shared this analogy with me a long time ago, right? But it's about, um, like, okay, so a glass of orange juice, right? Freshly squeezed orange juice, right? When you drink it on a hot day, it's so refreshing, so sweet, so pure, so so wholesome, right? But what were to happen if you had a bite of chocolate and then you drink this glass of orange juice, right? Would it be pure and wholesome sweet to you anymore? It would be sour, right? It wouldn't be as enjoyable, right? And that's what the things of the world does to our spiritual um, realities, right? It numbs the senses. It it distorts and corrupts our uh, ability to taste the sweetness of God, right? And so we must guard ourselves from such things. um, So we... You know, again, we recognize the fact that we needed to guard ourselves, we needed to guard our children from um, the influences of the world. And so we began consciously, intentionally, right, removing things out of their lives, out of our lives that were preventing us from um, having, you know, experiencing the, the, the sweetness of God, right? And so, but, you know, as Tisha shared yesterday, if we remove things from our lives and, and we don't fill it with good things, right? there's gonna be a void left, right? And then the devil will fill that if we're not careful to fill it with replace it with something good, right? So, you know, Fred and I we we try to follow this replacement principle, you know, that you know, we removed a lot of things from the children's lives, you know, and in the beginning we didn't replace it with good things and the children were complaining and saying, you know, well that's not fair. Why does so and so get to do this and that and, you know, I'm not happy, this is not fun, I don't wanna be at home and Even though we moved to the country, they still didn't want to be at home, even though there's been you know, they were with us, right, all the time. But we were not, again, being intentional about the things that we did in their life. And so we realized, okay, we need to play with them. We need to have family fun time, right? We um, the, the, the Being away from their friends and things like that allowed allowed more brother bonding time, you know, to create bonds with one another. We replaced their bad books with good books, right, stories that missionaries, pioneers, and things like that. Good, bad DVDs with good DVDs, you know, and, um, you know, good games good activities and you can see them there right and we need to make sure that we are making right choices you know there's you know we our children you know we might think you know but what what can we do now then if we take out all these things you know if I you know play the video games and don't read these kinds of books or do that kind of activity or these things you know like then there's nothing to do you know but actually there's so many good things you can do and I realized oh if I was exposed to all of these good things in my life as a child, I, you know, oh, I, I mean, I wish I, you know, I wish I wish that, and so I, I, you know, I'm um, glad to provide those things for my children, you know? Well, um, you know, as I said, moving to the country or making, you know, following in the path of God requires sacrifice, you know, and for us it did, and again, you know, um, Okay, so okay. there there was a point in my life where I was really busy with things outside of the home, you know, like um, good things, you know, like um, church work and working in the community. And at the time, I was helping, you know, with this homeschool group and tutoring and things like that. And um, I was so busy, again, kind of living the city life, you know, uh, because it was um, taking my mind off the things of the home and things like that. And... I realized, um, you know, if I want to be intentional and do things um, right, then um, I I don't have enough time in the day, you know, to do everything, you know. And so I wrote a schedule, you know, you know, this is just kind of, I just printed out what we have, just our schedule, what we try to follow, you know, Um, but you know, when, so I started writing down all the things that we needed to accomplish in a day, right, just in a typical day, you know, so, you know, you get up, you get ready, you do your devotionals, right, you get, you know, food ready, you know, you have all your meals, right, you have your sleeping time, how many hours you need to sleep, you write down your meals, how much time it takes to prepare, how much time it takes to clean up, and then with the cleaning, with the with, you know, you you got to train the children how to clean so it takes a little longer you know and then um, you got you know time together to read and study together and you got you know you got to do your errands and then you got to, again train your children to do the errands so you know it takes a little bit longer and then you got um, to work outside cuz now you know we had all this land to take care of and you got to mow the lawn and weed and that takes time during the day and then um, you know you got your family fun time and and then um you know, time together with Fred and um, stuff like that, right? All those things, things that to me um, were non-negotiable, you know, like it had to be done um, because of the life that we wanted to live, right? and so after doing all that, I realized uh, that only leaves me one hour in the day to do things that I want to do, right, for me, but it wasn't even like just for pleasure, like for my own leisure, you know, like Um, Where I could just sit and read a book for an hour or whatever, you know, like it was um, things that I still needed to do, you know, like prepare for Sabbath school or um, um, like if we're going somewhere to pack or, you know, like, um, you know, I still need to purchase stuff for our home or for the kids or whatever it is or, you know, new books for my kids to read or whatever, like things like that. You know, if I need if people are coming over, I need more cooking time or if I, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It fills up very quickly, you know, that time. And then it made me realize oh I don't have that much time left. Um, <laughs> um I need to cut out every excess out of my life. Like no excess can even be in my life. There's no time for it. You know what I mean? Like, um we have to be intentional, we have to be willing to sacrifice okay. Adventist home, one great reason why there is so much evil in the world today is that parents occupy their minds with other things than that which is all-important. How to adapt themselves to the work of patiently and kindly teaching their children the way of the Lord. If the curtain can be drawn aside, we should see that many, many children who have gone astray have been lost to good influences through this neglect. Parents, can you afford to have it so in your experience? What occupies your mind and keeps your time away from teaching your children the way of the Lord? So what's the point of all this, right? And we talked a lot about parenting, we talked a lot about family, we talked a lot about marriage and things like that, right? You know, what's the point? Is it for us to enjoy ourselves and to, you know, have a good family, you know, and um, just be happy with one another, you know? Like, is that the point of uh, all of this, right? What's really the point behind it? And I believe it's this. In Adventist tome it says, We are under sacred covenant with God to rear our children for his service. To surround them with such influences as shall lead them to choose a life of service and to give them the training needed is our first duty. That's our first duty is to teach them how mm-hmm. to serve God. You know? Um. The mission of the home extends beyond its own members. The Christian home is to be an object lesson, illustrating the excellence of the true principles of life. Such an illustration will be a powerful good in the world. Far more powerful than any sermon that can be preached is the influence of a true home upon human hearts and lives, right? We need to be that representative for Jesus in our communities and people will say, look at your family. That family has something different about them. Look at their children and look at them. They're just so different, you know. What is it about them? And ultimately, then you have an opportunity to share Jesus with them, you know. It is no small matter for a family to stand as representatives of Jesus, keeping God's law in an unbelieving community. We are required to be living epistles known and read of all men, This position involves fearful responsibilities. One well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more in behalf of Christianity than all the sermons that can be preached. For this reason, must we work on our marriage, work on our parenting, work on our family life, right? Not so we can enjoy ourselves, although God wants us to enjoy ourselves, right? We can find pleasure in that, of course. But the purpose behind all of that is for us to then be a witness for God, right? in our community and or for the people that are around us. Right? But, you know, again, this doesn't happen just by chance, you know? Just because we wish it to happen or we want it to happen, right? It's intentional. It requires sacrifices, you know? And for such a long time, Fred and I, you know, we knew um, we were, we converted we were exposed to the truth right um early in our life before we got married you know but why did it take us so long to realize this you know or to come to the point where we are now and it's because um by all means again i must say we're not perfect right we're not perfect people we're but by, by a long shot you know but god has led us a long long ways right and um What took so long is because we were not intentional, right? We knew the truth in the back of our heads. We listened to all the sermons and went to all evangelistic meetings and all these things, and we were so touched by it, by the Spirit moving in our hearts. We thought, yes, this is good. We need to do these things, you know? But when we went home, nothing changed, right? The spiritual high may have lasted for about a week, but after that was over, we were just back to our normal things of life, you know? We didn't sit down and pinpoint the issues in our life that needed to be surrendered to God, that needed to um, be changed. And again, we cannot do that on our own. Only God can, in his power and strength, do that in, in our lives, right? I'm going to end with, f- with two more um, things here. Our time here is short. We can pass through this world but once. As we pass along, let us make the most of our life. The work to which we are called does not require wealth or social position or great ability. It requires a kindly, self-sacrificing spirit and a steadfast purpose. A lamp, however small, if kept steadily burning, may be the means of lighting many other lamps. Our sphere of influence may seem narrow, our ability small, our opportunities few. Our acquirements limited, yet wonderful possibilities are ours through a faithful use of the opportunities of our own homes. If we will open our hearts and homes to the divine principles of life, we shall become channels for currents of life-giving power. From our homes will flow streams of healing, bringing life and beauty and fruitfulness, where now our barrenness and dearth. It is time now, today, friends, to make decisions. And not just to make decisions, but we have to act upon it. You know, Fred and I, we made many decisions in our time, you know? But we didn't act upon it intentionally. And that's what it requires. I'm going to end with this. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness or, you know, with the wine of Babylon living in this world, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying or whatever sins you may be experiencing, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Amen. Now is the time. Let us make our decisions today and decide to act upon it. And let us make our decisions for Jesus to live our lives for Him today. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Heavenly Father, You are such a good and merciful God, and even bringing us here to this camp meeting to experience Your bountiful blessings. But Lord, um, we know that it does not end just there, Lord, because then it would have all been in vain. And what a shame that would have been when you are working so hard to call our hearts to you. Lord, help us to make decisions today and know. Lead us to make the right decisions. Give us the wisdom to know how to act so that we can then move forward in the path that you have set for us and not be stuck in the lives that we are in now because, Lord, you are a loving God that desires a better, more fulfilling life in you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. And this, I pray in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse